Well, hello. Hello. And welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. <laughs> Tammy Hall, Papa Ghost. Tammy Hall's with the ghost. <laughs> I don't know what this voice is today. I don't know. I think I'm channeling my inner Adelaide. <laughs> Poison. Gonna develop a cold. Oh boy, here we are. What a what a fun season it's been. <laughs> it it may be you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of the way now. Okay. It's worth noting. It's worth noting. We've recorded a few episodes before this, you guys. And it, it is in, in a single sitting, you in mean. a single sitting, yeah. and it's quite warm in the studio because yes, we can't put the air conditioning on because it'll be too loud for the recording. So we just have a single fan rotating on low, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so you guys who've been with us on the journey know when it's been a few episodes. <laughs> if a you certain li- je ne sais quoi if you listened to, <laughs> to last week's episode about Saint Mark's and good old Peter Stuyvesant. You could probably bet that we recorded a few episodes before that. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah, probably yeah. say yeah. the two have lost their minds, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh no, they just definitely recorded something before this." Yeah, and so yeah. um, here we are. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so excited to be here <laughs> on the show, episode ninety-eight. Wow! Can you even? No, that's crazy. Even. We're so excited. Is confetti gonna come from the ceiling when we get to one hundred? No, I don't want to clean it up. Mm. But maybe we'll pretend. I have little poppers. Yeah, I was gonna say we are an audio medium. We don't have to say that there's gonna be no oh, confetti. Yeah, we yeah. could just be like, yeah, of course confetti's gonna rain oh from God, the ceiling, Christina. Is that the confetti music? Celebrate. Oh, of course. That'll, 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 that'll happen. Anyway, in two weeks it's episode one hundred, you guys. It's fucking unbelievable. I cannot believe we have gotten to 98 of these and let alone in two weeks we'll be at our 100th episode and people are still listening that's crazy we have a fun surprise for episode 100 gonna be incredible um we're so excited to 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 get on into it when we do um no spoilers it's it's gonna Mm -hmm. be it's gonna be a good um it's gonna be so good or not who knows yeah we think everything's here we think everything's good but you know who knows who knows really it's hot (laughs) (laughs) um you guys, as always, we are so appreciative of those of you who have decided to take the money you make in life and throw it away by giving it to us. Um, so if you want to be one of those people to continue to throw away your money, we're just kidding. It's not throwing away your money because you get free things. You do. Well, you pay for the things that you get. So they're not really, not really free, free anymore. But join our Patreon. Give us money. The microphone stand broke, you guys. It broke last week. It's you we want to be better we do we just know <laughs> we know who we are hopefully by the time you're listening to this i've remedied the situation and bought new microphones but we can't do it without help from from listeners like you patreon.com slash anyway mr machine for all your fun and joy for a little three dollars you guys know you join the community for those five dollars you, you, you know you know i don't know i'm saying anything you know you what know they don't, though? what if they fast forward to this part every week they don't fast forward to this part do you fast forward to this part? You guys. We thought you liked our banter when we beg for money. <laughs> Anywho, um, you, seriously, you guys, we're really excited to, co- to continue to update our equipment. Last year, our patrons came through in a really amazing way by uh, giving us enough money so we can buy our new sound mixer. It became really important. Um, this year, we need new microphones. I need a new headset. Christina's getting a headset, so she doesn't scream in my ear anymore. Still going to scream. And uh, we want a soundboard so we can play, play our, our favorite sounds. 
<laughs> important thing. The soundboard's the last thing we want. Okay, it's I'm important sorry, to know. I think that is. No, we need microphones first. I don't know about that. I think the soundboard is where the money's at. I mean, I can't wait to put the It's Worth Noting on a sound patch where we just press it. Right, and you hear like an entire stadium of people. It's worth noting. Christina, where are we today? <laughs> let's just let's just get to let's it. Cut out, cut the bullshit. We are upstate. Um, Ooh, upstate. Just, yeah, upstate. Because today we are doing a cult. <gasps> you guys, you're listening. See, people are listening already because we put cult in the title. I, that's right. Because I forgot we're not allowed <sighs> multiple colons in the titles anymore. Uh, no, no, we could as long as cult is written in there because y'all seem to love cults. That's true. You are our most listened to episodes are all cult based. Cults. So before we start, quick trigger warning: we're going to be talking about cults and controlling behaviors, as well as um, issues around statutory rape and rape, and um, also eugenics. Did you know that New York has been a hotbed for cults before the twentieth and twenty first centuries? I did not know that. It's true. It's going to make it real hard to track someone down to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to talk about the Oneida community cult. Oneida? Is it Oneida or Oneida? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. It sounds like a fun word. It's a great word. Oneida? I don't even know her. <laughs> the Oneida community was founded in the mid-1800s by John Humphrey Noyes. So who the hell is this guy? John Humphrey Noyes was born in Battleboro, Vermont on September 3rd, 1811. He was the son of a businessman and one of nine children, and eventually went to study at Dartmouth College, from which he received his degree in 1830. Fun fact, um, one of his cousins would eventually become president, Rutherford B. Hayes. Well, look at that. He planned on becoming a lawyer. Uh, this is John Noyes, not necessarily Rutherford B. Hayes. Um, uh, but that ambition only lasted about a year before he was taken over by religious fervor, having heard the American minister, Charles Grandison Finney. Now, an important bit of American history to recall in this moment, if you cast your mind way back to eighth grade or maybe junior year high school, something like that, you'll recall that there was something called the Second Great Awakening, which was sort of a response to the American Enlightenment. So it focused on a very emotional sermons and events, and it, it spawned a whole bunch of Protestant movements, including um, certain branches of, of the Baptists, Latter-day Saints and Mormons, um, and Shakers. Sidebar, the first Shaker settlement in the U.S., I didn't know this, was established in 1776 north of Albany in Watervliet, a town that played a prominent role in the timeline we established while investigating, you guessed it, Hazel Drew. My question is, was Mm. it anywhere near the Mover settlement? I see what you did there. Like the Movers and the Shakers. Yeah, I got that. I see what you did there. I really from was like, oh, I didn't see anything about the Mover settlement. (laughs) And then you said in your head, you're like, I hate him. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly I what hate, I hate. That he I deserve that, though, for the Hazel Drew drop. <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> Who's Hazel Drew? Go back to Go season, season one. one. We're sorry. Um, now, a big part of this overall movie. Hazel Drew. The question, we put out a poll at the end of season two of, do you guys like two-part episodes? And I'm very sure that the people who said they don't like two-part episodes were, were like, Drew. no more Hazel Drew. <laughs> Don't you fucking dare! Like we love Son of Sam, we love the Amityville Horror, but if you give us Hazel Drew, we'll kill you. We'll kill you. Um, now, a big part of this overall movement was to um, not just seek personal salvation, but also to reform society as well. So some people sought to do this through the temperance movement, um, others through abolition. Women were seen as vital within the movement um, for their role as spiritual leaders um, in within families, as well as praying publicly and forming prayer groups. 
So at this time, Western New York was awash in this religious zeal, with later writers and historians calling it the Burned Over District, uh, a name that was meant to evoke how ablaze the region was with religious intensity. Um, And in the early days, Western New York was still quasi-frontierish. Um, so in the sense that like clergymen in the traditional fashion were super populous in the area and, you know, folk religion and religious experiments abounded. So it's into this milieu that we must imagine John Humphrey Noy is embarking. Now, he was an extremely shy individual, partially one of the reasons he's left studying law. Apparently, he was so extremely shy around women in particular that he wrote the following in his diary, quote, I could face a battery of cannon with less trepidation than a room full of ladies with whom I was unacquainted. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor thing. Yeah. Poor thing. And yet, his religious zeal propelled him into becoming a preacher. Oh, thank God. Uh, he went to Yale um, to study in the Divinity School, where one of the theologians, Nathaniel Taylor, advocated, you know, he was an advocate of seeking your own truth. Even, quote, if it carried you over Niagara Falls. Uh, and that's pretty much what happened next. Noyes found his truth, and boy, did it sound crazy to people. Oh, boy. So here's here's a little bit about Noyes' truth. We'll get some more as it unfolds. <clears throat> but here's the first thing. He was incapable of sin and <laughs> under God's special protection. Oh, Keith Raniere, really? Yeah, you, there you go. <laughs> he was, in essence, a perfect human. Yeah, I mean, like I think it's, you know... It's important that 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 we're talking about a 19th century cult and like I'm already making connections mm-hmm. with the cults that we talked about in the last two seasons. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, there's definitely Odyssey study group stuff in there and there's definitely Nexium stuff in there. Usually at the top of these episodes like I run through a list of like here's what makes a cult a cult or like we things know. you know at this point. But it, one of those things, right? It's like a charismatic leader who's never wrong. Who's never wrong and, and here that, we go. That was a big thing when we did Nexium, right? Yeah. Like Keith was never could never be wrong. Right. Right. And and we also talked about Keith being like the most brilliant man ever, according to him. Um, hold on to that thought. I told to my hands. <laughs> so um, this notion of being a perfect human, uh, <laughs> apparently he got his license to preach revoked, which who knew you needed a license? Um, but that didn't stop him. And Noyes just went about traveling, preaching his beliefs on his own. Now, one of the major events that helped launch Noyes into a more prominent position than simply one of the many wandering preachers um, of the time didn't even really involve him. So in 1835, at the age of 23, Noyes goes to Massachusetts and stops in Brimfield. Another preacher, Simon Lovett, also arrived there with Noyes. Uh, the town welcomed them very warmly, and one woman kissed Noyes goodnight, and Noyes fled immediately it was like oh no a woman and <laughs> oh no walked, a woman walked 60 miles back through the snow to get to his family's homestead in vermont now simon lovett however was into the new place and stayed behind one evening two women found their way into lovett's bed to prove that their spirit was stronger than the flesh and go figure the flesh went out now this became a scandal it blew up probably aided by the fact that one of the young women went to a mountainside took off her clothes and begged god not to rain you know fire and brimstone down on on the town for her sins and so weird that god didn't do that like her prayer was answered because everyone knows god rains down that fire and brimstone. constantly i looked at the newspaper the other day and like fire brimstone everywhere i say this as if 
I, the sky was yeah, an orange last month. I'm, as we're talking, like, oh, actually, wait a minute. <laughs> wait hold a minute. on. Hold on. I think I'm wrong. Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> I see, I see, I see, was that fire and brimstone? <laughs> was that it? Was that God's that was, way? That uh, fire and brimstone. That was fire and brimstone. So, it fire. It's <laughs> true. Um, so, as we established, Noyes wasn't even there at the time, right? He, he fled. He fled the kiss of a woman. And somehow, he still got blamed. And Noyes unto this moment, a terribly shy individual, leaned into this newfound infamy, especially after a woman he had fallen in love with married someone else. And so here's the next part of Noya's theology. God did not desire marriage or monogamy, nor the guilt and jealousy that can come with those things. Here's what he wrote to a friend, quote, In a holy community, there is no more reason why sexual intercourse shall be restrained by law than why eating and drinking should be. And there is as little occasion for shame in the one case as in the other, unquote. He would eventually add that he would never join any religion again unless he was the leader of it. Which, just for the record, more red flag goes up right there. Like, I'm never joining religion unless I can be I, unless I, unless can, I can be the unquestioned leader. Oh no. Um So in eighteen thirty eight, Noyes marries one of his followers, Harriet Holton. Now this was, given his beliefs, a very practical arrangement. They were going to have an open marriage, which think about it, eighteen thirty eight. That's wild for the time um they're gonna have an open marriage they're gonna have relationships with others but harriet and her fortune would help him publish his new beliefs so 30 followers oh so a charismatic leader Mm -hmm. who literally takes the money of others Uh in order to like create an organization that Mm -hmm. will only benefit them Mm -hmm. never heard about it never heard of it 30 followers soon joined Noyes, pledging to be faithful to him in all things, including matters of sex. Mary and George Cragen joined John and Harriet Noyes in a group marriage. Now, these arrangements were by no means secret, but a scandal in Putney, Vermont, occurred when Mary Cragen birthed Victor and Victoria, twins that were sired by Noyes. Noyes was charged with adultery and fornication, and so in 1847, he fled for central New York. Sure. There, Jonathan Burt, who had read Noyes' writing, invited Noyes to settle on the land near his, near his own along the Oneida Creek. Noyes purchased it, all 23 acres. And by the end of 1848, 87 people, men, women, and children, had joined Noyes, Harriet, Mary, and George. Now, Noyes further developed his theology in the first annual report of the Oneida Association, 1849. And I should say that the... Um, the language that's used for the Oneida community, the Oneida Association, um, sometimes the followers um, also call themselves perfectionists. God. Um, so in this this first annual report, um, it, it detailed the professions of the people who had joined, the configuration of housing, etc. The community was to be the, quote, external manifestation, unquote, of the kingdom of God. And as such, as such there was no such thing as private property. Again, there's some very interesting ideas in here. Women, the publication also noted, began dressing with shorter dresses and pantaloons. So pantaloons. pantaloons. So not the long gowns of the day, right? And they cut their hair short, bob length, basically. One of the chief tenets of the community was the idea that perfecting sex was a form of worship that required male continence, quote unquote, i.e. men to avoid ejaculation. So to keep people accountable... A system of mutual criticism was set up at a meeting of, of, of members of the association. And these meetings occurred nightly after dinner, basically. 
You could offer yourself up to be scrutinized. Then everyone tears your character apart. <laughs> and this is meant to help speed up your spiritual progress. Oh my God. I'm like, <laughs> I'm ready to be scrutinized. Tell me what I've done wrong. Um, and then this is, this is fascinating. At the following meeting, to make sure that everyone is friends again, because there <laughs> might be some hard feelings, everyone talks really positively about the previously condemned person. So think about that emotional whiplash. <laughs> it gets so crazy. Think about that emotional whiplash. Oh, it makes sense because you're getting you're getting all the things that are bad about you are being exposed, mm-hmm. quote unquote, and then they're all filling with good things so mm-hmm. that you are now putting your faith in this community, mm-hmm. which is trying to make you feel better about the things that that you're bad at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you know, we talked about which is literally all the Nexium seminars. Yup. It's literally though I forget what what Keith called them those one on ones he did, where Keith would basically just like tear into who you were as a human being, tear it all apart, then build you back up, and you felt internally grateful to Keith because he built you back up and set you on the right path. It's wild to think about this as nineteenth century shit. Yeah. Um, So eventually, the group was just too large for this to happen organically. So instead, four judges were chosen to critique everyone on a sort of rotating basis. Like you know. Like it, as if someone like promoted them and gave them a sash or something. Almost something like that. It's weird. I've never heard about anyone getting a promotion and wearing something funny in order to uh, and getting a funny new name in yep. order to uh, move up in in organization. Never heard of that before. It's insane, right? We might as well just call this. Where did Next In come from? Right here. <laughs> here, found it. Next marks the spot. So to do this effective effectively, they first went under the process that they were going to be implementing with Noyes. So Noyes would do the criticizing. And then they turned to investigating people whose characters they would soon assail. And they did this by asking people about the individual, getting them to explain his or her faults, getting all the dirt on them. So all those things, like we talked about with the Odyssey study group too, right? You get information about the person. You use that against them. And go figure. Noyes was exempt from this process. No one had to critique him. You're not allowed to. It's against the rules. He's the perfect human. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. So by 1852, the free love, and that's the term that Noyes uses, um, the free love that Noyes preached had a few more restrictions for how it should come about. Here is an excerpt from the book uh, An Assassin in Utopia by Susan Wells that explains these new restrictions. And it's called that. We're not going to talk about the assassin, but the assassin is basically um, uh, there was a guy who eventually uh, assassinates one of the presidents, I'm forgetting who, was part of this cult very briefly. Was it Charles Gateau? Yeah. Who assassinated um, President Garfield? There you go. Charles Gateau. Was part of this community briefly. That makes sense. So here's here's um, an excerpt from that book about the new restrictions. The sexes should sleep apart. Their coming together should not be to sleep, but to edify and enjoy. Proposals for love interviews are best made through a third party. It allows of refusals without embarrassment. The third party will also be helpful in arrangements. This method makes love a community affair. Lovers should come together for an hour or two and should separate to sleep. If they part before overexcitement, they will think of each other with pleasure afterwards. It is an excellent rule to leave the table while the appetite is still good. Do not spend much time in talk. I imagine that the impotence, which some men complain of, may be connected with the overactivity of the tongue. God. Incredible. Now, if you were wondering who these third parties were making the helping make these arrangements, 
It was Noyes and those people close in his circle. According to Wells, the people, quote, held spiritual and often physical power over other members of the community. Oneidans were encouraged to have sexual relations with their superiors, who were often much older than they were. And men and women in the top tier of the fellowship had the unique privilege of initiating young members at puberty. This despite the group's professed core belief that rape was intolerable and everyone had the right to refuse intercourse with anyone. And yet, what I'm hearing is a system of sex wherein those in power have the ability to help control who's having sex with whom and then have sex with those who enter, are entering puberty, right? So Noyes in particular often acted as, quote, first husband, unquote, to young women. Um, so do with this information as you will. One thing that will come up eventually is that at the time statutory rape the the age of consent was 10 at the time jesus but you know so by 1861 the community was a quasi tourist attraction having strawberry festivals and fourth of july concerts um, and large numbers were seeking to join the community. There were enough people interested in this way of life that there were even some like spin-off communities in a few different places. Um, but even if this was a utopia movement with some degree of success, depending on who you asked, it was not to last. Well, that makes sense. And more on that after the break. Oh boy, I can't wait. We'll be right back after these messages from us. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. So you listen to our podcast, which means you must love mysteries. But how would you like to solve your very own mystery? Hunt a Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episode boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve an ongoing murder mystery. Work solo or as a team of sleuths to finally crack the case and reveal the murderer. So do you think you have what it takes to hunt a killer? If so, head to www.huntakiller.com and use the code NYMYSTERYMACHINE for 20% off the first box. That's www.huntakiller.com and the code is NYMYSTERYMACHINE. Sign up now and begin the hunt. Bow, bow, bow. All right, we are back. So we're back, and uh, yeah, we've been talking about the Oneida community, or the Oneida, um, I'm going to call it the Oneida study group. That's a different place. That's, that's, that's a very different. We're just put in a bunch of things together. But we've been talking about how, you know, the, the, the pattern of cults, right? These charismatic leaders who are never wrong, who are perfect, et cetera, who have this weird control, um, 
you know, is, is, you know, we see it right here in the 1830s, 1840s. So as early as 1848, Noyes showed an interest in, and I'm quoting Wells's book here, improving humankind by controlling human breeding. Oh boy. He was interested in creating a more spiritually pure version of humankind through selective breeding, a process he termed stirpiculture. You know what we call selective breeding to create a certain kind of human, right? Eugenics. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Was he doing eugenics in the 19th century? Yeah, he was. (sighs) Right? My... I, I had been so this has been on my radar as a possible episode for at least since last last year and it keeps it shows up as like yo you know the 19th century sex cult I'm like okay that could be and then as I'm reading I'm like eugenics I think one place even said that it might have been the first eugenics experiment of its you know on American soil basically that's insane so by the late 1860s Noyes was ready to try making this idea a reality. So he'd always he'd been interested in it for a while. And although we've talked about the idea of um, male uh, continence, right? That idea that of not having the man ejaculate, um, that was partially an imperfect birth control method. Uh, but it was never to it was never in his mind supposed to be the definitive thing. So like the Shaker communities they do not have children. They accept children, mm. right? You can be raised by the Shakers. Once you've joined the community, it, you're not having children, right? But that wasn't the plan here. Noyes was always open to the idea of children, and it was more about um, waiting until the community was ready to support child rearing. So in service of that, the community built an extension to their mansion house. And the mansion house is this large house that accommodated their communal living. The new wing was going to be for raising children. Now, about 90 men and women in the community offered to be part of the process as of 1870, the process of stirpiculture and this eugenics thing. Initially, the decisions around who would breed with whom would be made by a committee of 12, six men and six women. Though eventually, guess what happened? I wonder if just the leader made that decision. Yep. Eventually, the committee was basically Noyes in his inner circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The criteria for being selected included spiritual, intellectual, moral, and physical dimensions, as well as, quote, the effect on the social relation of the parties and on the organism of the society around them, unquote. So basically, like, are people going to get real mad and jealous because we've been doing this free love thing all along and now we're like, oh, you guys are going to have a kid together. P.S. We heard about this during the Odyssey study group. Yes, we did. Peeling people together. Yeah. It's kind of wild. And so, Spencer told Spencer spoke about this during our interview with him as well. Right, right. Was there something in Nexium about any of like that sort of pairing? Up? In Nexium, there wasn't. It wasn't as like ideally you were meeting people within the community because they wanted to support people to continue to to move up the ranks, and they didn't want people to be dated or marrying people outside the community. Right. Um, I don't think we covered anything that was arranged marriage at all, really. Okay. In Nexium. Right. I could be wrong, and there's plenty of stuff you probably missed because it was sure. so fucking much, but right. not that I recall. Okay. Um, okay. Well, so here, if you want to become a parent, right, you submit an application. As one does. As one does. 
Now, apparently most people made it through the approval process, though not all. If your application to breed with someone was rejected. I so, don't like that phrase. I Isn't it? But like, what do you say? To reproduce with someone? To make a baby? I, mean, I guess you could say make a baby. Have a child? But it's eugenics. It is breeding, right? Like This it's is what we're breeding. doing. It's, you are like, you and you, you will create a life. You are spiritually superior. Go make a superior human being. Um, so if your application to breed is rejected, then the committee would try to find a better pairing for you. So between 1869 and 1879, 58 children known as God, were born this way. Um, and here is an excerpt from the book Oneida Utopia, a community searching for human happiness and prosperity by Anthony Wonderly. Oh. Um... Adam, would you kindly italicized? <laughs> the benefits of controlled breeding were, in any events, scientific fact, according to Noyes, who now presented himself to a reading public as a scientific savant. The chief law of scientific propagation he inferred from animal breeding literature of his day was that one should select the quality in question, then intensify it through generations of inbreeding. Breed from the best, then breed in, and in was his maxim. Since the idea of humans breeding in and in tra uh, trespassed on the emotionally fraught subject of incest, Noyes tried to anticipate possible objections. One answered offered was that human consanguinity is difficult to define. Such little evidence as existed indicated that the mating of close relatives is not necessarily bad and may, in fact, be quite good. Noya cited an article claiming that continuous interbreeding of cousins in rural France resulted in beautiful women. Finally... He, he purported to demonstrate that the Jewish people of the Old Testament became a perfect race by inbreeding. Sir. Well, there's a lot there. Sir. A lot there to unpack. Sir. Sir. No. I'm going to start with no. <laughs> We're just going to start Inbreeding is not okay, no. um, first and foremost. Incest is not okay. Mm -hmm. It's gross. Yeah. I will judge it, and I will judge you. Gross. Yeah. Um, also... I like that he's basically saying that he's a scientific savant now. Yep. F fucking Keith Raniere. Yeah. He's like, I know things. I'm a genius. I know a lot I about- I got 20 degrees. I know things about things, and if you put your penis in your cousin, and you do your thing, and you create a baby, it'll be fine. It'll be a pretty looking thing. What? Listen, sometimes pretty things have more limbs than they need. <laughs> but here we are. Even even the ugliest of toad is is beauty. And then it's sort of wild that he goes to the Old Testament to be like, look. It's not wild. It's actually like no, it no. That's it's like unfortunately stupidly a, a, smart, but also dumb because like saying that the Jewish people in the Old Testament right. inbreeding is 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 so incorrect. Mm -hmm. It's basically taking. It's basically using the Bible, mm -hmm. which is not entirely factual. Mm -hmm. It's on a history book mm -hmm. as your argument 
for something with science, mm-hmm. and science is factual. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I think that's a general. He's he, that's a general misconception, general misconception that he thinks that. Um, I don't think anyone thinks that Jewish people inbreeded in the Old Testament, right. honestly. Um, in fact, it's like very explicitly condemned. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Is he just referring to the Old Testament as like the the Jews that were on the road didn't have options, so they inbred? I don't know what he's thinking here. I don't. I I really don't. Know I what never he's... read in the Bible that the Jewish people inbred. I was gonna say the, the the I believe there are a couple of mentions of incest, and it's always condemned, condemned. super harshly. Like that's the point. They're like, no, don't do that. Don't it's do bad. That. It's real bad. It'll create bad things for bad things. And also, don't lay with your cousin. Right. Don't do that. Get ready, Adam. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Here we go. Noyes came to believe that males were more important than females when it came to this experiment. This is shocking. I I, write. Also, he's also against women. This is so weird. He thought that the 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 men were more important because they could contribute more offspring, basically, and that the great men of history were the products of quote superior strains of blood unquote. So Noyes, of course, was a product of such a superior strain. Oh no! So his bloodline should naturally get some extra attention. So he asked his niece. Oh, no. It's worse. Tirsa Miller, who was widely recognized as one of the most desired women within the community. We have her diaries. um, Oh, no. To have a child with him. How old was she? She's an adult. Okay. I mean, not okay. But, but you know. Tirsa Miller said, quote. Like, adult in, like, our standards? Ah, good point. I don't have an age. you literally told me 15 minutes ago that consent was 10, so. I don't have an age, but based on... Just from the excerpts I've seen of her diary around this time, I'm I'm interpreting her as as like a proper adult. Sure, but worth double checking. Tirza Miller apparently said, "Quote: I told him I should like that to have the kid with him. He said he believed it to be his duty, and he had considerable curiosity to see what kind of a child we should produce. He said to combine with me." Would be I don't like that. I hate that. I don't like that phrase. He said to combine with me would you be You guys, please never tell your spouses you want to combine. Combine. It's Ooh. not sexy. I'm gonna say it again. Oh, I don't like it. He You're... said to combine with me. I took my headphones off like she's not in the same room as me. I... <laughs> would be intensifying the Noya's blood more than anything he could do. He was just waking up to a full sense of his duty, which is to pursue stirpiculture in the consanguinous line. Now, it is worth it's worth noting. It's worth noting that Noyes did not end up having a child with Tirza Miller, just never came to fruition. I don't know that that means they didn't try. I have a feeling they tried. Um, But he did have nine children with other women. Oh, boy. Now, over time, Noyes tried to make his family's position within the community a sure thing, appointing his son Theodore as his successor, which was honestly a bit of an odd choice because Theodore, um, or Dr. Noyes, as they called him, had some years prior decided he did not believe in God, which is sort of like one of the founding principles of this whole thing. Yeah, it seems like you need to believe in God in order to get a part of the club. Right. So Noyes told Theodore, 
why don't you check out spiritualism? I bet that's going to make you believe in, in God. And in the end, he does seem to have ended up believing in spirits via these experiences, um, though not actually in God. So again, weird choice. Nonetheless, uh, Dr. Theodore Noyes became the leader in May 1877, along with, um, you know, he, he rose to that position with Anne Hobart, a community member whom he believed could contact the spirits. And um, together they began, in the words of Anthony Wonderly, a harsh reign. Ugh. So Theodore required... Mem- Theodore required members to give in written reports of their activities and a crackdown on regulating the sexual rendezvous of members began. This didn't go over well. Theodore was soon deposed and John Noyes reinstated. And this whole affair seems to bring Noyes's own divine inspiration as a thing into question for some members of the community. Others began to form more monogamous relationships, especially through the stirpiculture experiments. And then there was the child rearing issue, right? It mostly fell to mothers and per Wondersley, quote, ran counter to the community ideal of voluntary assent, unquote. According to Alice Ackley, when having sex with Noyes, Noyes, quote, quite disregarded the rules, unquote, i.e. ejaculated and seemingly, those words would suggest, without her consent. Again, the desire to create this bloodline dynasty being paramount in his mind. When Theodore Noyes left the community after being deposed, he abandoned his three children by different mothers. And Tirza Miller, remember that's the niece of John Noyes, wrote in her diary, quote, The outlook for the future looks very dark for the women if men can desert their children with so little compunction, unquote. So even she's beginning to be like, what is going on? By the late 1870s, there was enough dissent within the community, coupled with the United States coming down hard on things like polygamy. And the Oneida community thought that their lifestyle would soon be in the crosshairs. So in 1879, Noyes left the mansion house in the dead of night, fearing that he was going to be arrested. Someone had basically tipped him off that it was coming. Um, Now, what exactly the charges were going to be never came to light. Though statutory rape for initiating the young may have well been among them. But um, yeah, per a report by a doctor from outside the Oneida community, the age of first sexual activity was given an average of 15 within the community with one instance being as young as 10 years. But again, Noyes probably would have survived any of these um, charges because the age of consent is 10 at the time. Um, nonetheless, he, he escapes. On August 28th, 1879, the community officially ended complex marriage, as they called that, that free love situation. Many of the younger generation began monogamous relationships with each other and traditional marriages. I think there were like 37 marriages basically immediately after they disbanded this, um, this complex marriage situation. A year later, the commune disbanded entirely. And this is my favorite. And instead became a business of joint stockholders in 1881. <laughs> Oneida Community Limited. They made silverware. What? Wait. What? What? Wait. What? (laughs) Wait. What? You know, this complex marriage thing has been good and like this communal property, no private property thing. But what if? Capitalism. Capitalism. Wait. What? So they they get rid of this marriage, the the complex marriage, and they start being monogamous and whatever. And then they say... Well, we've all invested a lot of our own money into this and we all need to get something out of this. And it seems like we're not surviving. 
as a community in the original sense that we didn't so what if we make silverware and they had they've been creating things right like this is how they supported themselves they had all sorts of crafts the leader wanted this well he was definitely involved in advising from afar noya is his name Mm -hmm. noya wanted this john noya's advice made some advising i don't know if he actually was pro the becoming of oneida community limited I'd have to double check that. But he was absolutely like, yeah, I guess it's time to get rid of this free, ma- this uh, complex marriage stuff. And I think may, may have been involved in this decision as well. Um, and here's something fun. The United Community Limited, right? They were known for their silverware. As as most cults are. As most cults are. I love the Nexium flatware design. <laughs> it's great. And honestly, you have not lived. You have not lived until you try an Odyssey study group towel. You put it on. So it is soft. It is wonderful. That's really what what, what, what a cult should do. Mm-hmm. Just like, instead of the bad things, let's focus on let's selling things. Let's just make things. really good products. I mean, I guess that's just what a company is. I guess that's just a company. I guess that's a company. Less cult, more company. The company was, and listen to these dates, renamed in 2021 as Anchor Hawking Holdings Incorporated. So you can still buy shit from this cult. From basically what was once this cult. That is insane, Christina. I know. John Noyes, who had escaped to Ontario, Canada, never returned to the United States, instead dying in Niagara Falls, Ontario, on April 13th, 1886. Remember that guy who at the beginning said to pursue your truth, even if it take you over Niagara Falls? Well, boy, did it. Um, his body was returned and buried in the Oneida Community Cemetery, where some of the other followers were also eventually buried. The mansion house, so that big, you know, residential thing that they built for themselves, is now an apartment complex, in part, with some residents being descendants of the original community, and part bed and breakfast. So if you want to go... I can't even... Oh my god. That was ridic- that's a ridiculous Isn't that crazy? story. I didn't I wish I expected that ending. No one, no one expects. I expected demise and doom. I didn't expect silverware. Silverware and bed and breakfasts. Oh my gosh. Oh my Isn't that incredible? Well, well. That's the story of the Oneida community. Well, you perfectionists guys. Perfectionists. There sex it is. Cult. Sometimes we're not as perfect as we think. Um, if you have any thoughts on the, this cult um, or any other cult you may you may have experience with, we always want to hear from folks. Reach out to us. You can reach out to us via email uh, at nymysterymachine at gmail.com or on our socials at nymysterymachine on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at nymysteries on Twitter. <laughs> My brain just stopped working. If you happen to like episodes about cults, which a lot of you do, um, you head on over to episode 33, and that's our feature on the Odyssey study group. Then episode 52 is our interview with two of the former members of the Odyssey study group. Then we have episodes 80 and 81, all about the Nexium cults, um, followed by episode 82, which is an interview with Sarah Edmondson, who was one of the whistleblowers of Nexium. There's also a bonus uh, episode about... um, Nikki Klein. Nikki Klein. This was a little bonus episode about Nikki Klein, who was um, part of the, the Nexium inner circle, and recently denounced Keith Raniere. Um, we had a lo- we had some inside baseball on this episode, where I use a lot of references to 
Keith Ranieri, Ozzy Study Group, Nexium. We do encourage you to go go back back to listen to those if you haven't already. We assume you have because it's a weird choice to start episode 98. But hey. But you know, you do you. You do you. Um, so yeah, uh, we, we encourage you to listen to that. We encourage you to listen to all other 97 episodes. I can't believe I'm saying the word 97 episodes. <laughs> that is wild. 97 episodes. It feels like we just started this like yesterday. I know. And yeah, here we are. Um, we're next week is episode 99. Oh man. We're getting there, you guys. We can't believe it. Um, uh, we encourage you to, to like, follow, subscribe on all the socials. Um, subscribe to the podcast. You get uh, new episodes every Monday delivered to your listening device. And um, we are excited. We are back. All new episode next week. I've been Adam Ace. I've been Christina Marinelli. And thank you ever so much for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall. But fuck.